Hallelujah. Uh, our pastor started preaching in uh, about midsummer a series called Road Trips. One of the most powerful series that we've heard. And uh, I'm, I don't know about you. I, I think I know about you, but I'll just tell you for myself. The first message he preached, now you remember he'd just gotten back from a road trip. And so I saw the thing up there and it said road trip and I thought, interesting, he's been on a road trip. I didn't even see it going the way it went. <laughs> what trips us up? And he talked about offense, can be, it can be also saying tripping up. What offends us? What trips us up? And uh, you might be like me. You might sit in the chair right there and you might think, well, I'm glad he's preaching that because so-and-so needs to hear that. <laughs> do you ever do that? <laughs> I do that. But thank God for the Holy Ghost that says you better listen. <laughs> so uh, at the end of that service, and, and boy, did I get revelation in that because I'd never seen how he said that what offends you that Jesus has told you to do. He used his own examples, but he asked us, what offends you? I had never thought about being offended at God. Never. It, I'd never thought I was offended at God. I'd never thought anything God said to me offended me. But if you'll remember at the end of the service, he said, now bow your head and ask the Lord, what has he told you to do that has offended you? I literally hardly got my head down. To God, and I said it like he told us to say it. Right away it came. It wasn't any big deal to you. It wasn't any great sin. But it was something the Lord had been telling me to do. And I had kept putting it off. Because it's like, i I'll just be honest, I didn't want to. I didn't want to do that. So I would, I would just, I, I would know, you know, I would know I was being pricked in my heart, but I would also go, it's, it's not that big a deal. It's not a big deal. It wasn't like he was telling me to go preach somewhere. You know what? He was just talking to me about something concerning my diet. And uh, I just didn't want to hear it. Because I thought, listen, I got so many restrictions on me, what I eat and stuff. I don't need, like, let me enjoy at least something. I never said that to the Lord. That was my thinking. Because I never saw that it was offending me. Till I put my head down. And that's, he said, I told you. And I went, yes, you did. And I made that decision that morning, and that was it. That was it. I was done. I did, I did what he said. But it's so sad that I had to wait all that time for my pastor to say, bow your head and ask God. And honest, if you had, if Ron had come up to me like the, before the service, has God telling you something that you don't want to do? Mm-mm. Because I really didn't, didn't think about it like that. It was like, I didn't say it was a command of God. I just thought that'd be a good idea. And I don't want to do it. 
Did God talk to you? Am I the only one? Did God talk? Y'all got better respond. Because I don't want to be the only one in the church that day that had to say, I know I wasn't. And I, and I told Jonathan the next day he was over to do something at my house. And I said, man, I tell you, God really spoke to me yesterday. Well, he wanted to hear this great revelation or what? And I told him, well, I'm not going to do that. This is what I'm going to do now. Well, it wasn't a great revelation. It wouldn't be anything to you. I mean, you'd think, what, what's the big deal? That's exactly how I thought. But see, God is trying to get us to a place where even things that aren't a big deal to anybody else, nobody cares whether you do that or not, but you know God's talking to you. Whether it's about, you know, something in, that, it, you know, in your own body or whether it's talking about relations, whether it's talking about assignments from God, whatever that is. So he's been preaching on that. And I tell you, it's, it has totally changed the way I think about things. And so I'm just going to follow up on that in a, in a, a way to kind of add to it. Because I felt like the Lord was saying <clears throat> that as, he's t- as we're getting where we can receive what he's telling us to do without being offended by it, you understand? Where we can receive it, then how are we going to accomplish it? Whether it's just, some, you know, I, I don't want you to eat that anymore or I want you to do drink this or I want you to eat this. Whether it's one of those things or not, or, or any of those other things, it's going to take faith. Now, you can do it on your own. I've seen people stop smoking, and they did it with pure willpower. Well, good for them. But how much easier is it when we let the Lord help us? Amen? Amen. The Lord is... Wanting to help us, the Holy Spirit is called the helper. The Holy Spirit has come to help us. We have supernatural help. So whatever you need to adjust in your life, you don't have to do it on your own. You are not by yourself. You don't have to do it on your own. God, if God is is pricking you or, you know, you know, you would know if God's kind of pricking you about something. If he is, no, he's not doing that to say, okay, you're on your own, bud. Toughen up. Or as you would say, cowboy up and do it. (laughs) Well, I tried to cowboy up. And I didn't want to cowboy up. I did it. <laughs> I didn't want to buck up. I don't want to be a big girl. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. I bet y'all are going, I wonder what she's doing. <laughs> Wasn't any big thing for you, but it was for me. One thing, I needed to drink more water. Now that's like... Why would that cause you to be offended with God? Well, because 
I didn't want to drink more water. I thought I was drinking plenty of water. It's like, okay. And then, then someone said I needed to double up, and I said, that's like four liters of water a day. Who does that? <laughs> Not me. And I was going around with water all the time. So you understand that God is, he is only trying to get us to a place of health, to a place that we're healthy to do what he's assigned us to do, to a place where we can enjoy life. That's all. But we're going to have to have faith. And so I had, I was thinking about faith and how that works. And the Lord just directed me to some scriptures that faith works by love. Faith works by love. You know that? The scriptures tell us. We'll, we'll just try to see if we can find some of these scriptures today. 1 Thessalonians 1.4, Paul's writing to the church at Thessalonica. But you know what? It's like he's writing to the church at Lloyd Minster too, right? But Paul says this in several of his, his epistles. But he writes in the first chapter, and, and uh, let's see, let's go with uh, verse 2. We give thanks to God always for all of you, mentioning, uh, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and your labor of love and your steadfastness of hope. In our Lord Jesus Christ, in the presence of God our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you. It goes on to talk about that. But what are those three things that verse 3 says? He says, bearing in mind, in other words, let's consider this, your work of faith, your labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope. Faith, hope, and love. Where do we hear those? 1 Corinthians says, now abides. It's what we call the love chapter. You need, to, you need to study 1 Corinthians 13. You need to put your name in there. Love is patient. Well, brownie is patient. Love is kind. Brownie is kind. Put your name in there and it will change. It will change you. It will help you walk in love. But at, at the end it says, now abides these three things. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what? Love. Now, we know from 1 John, it says that God is love, okay? So we could say, now abides these three things, faith, hope, and God. But the greatest of these is God. God is love. If you can let that settle in you, because God is on the inside of you, right? God's inside of you. God in us, the hope of glory. God is in us. Love is in us. So therefore, we have the capacity and the ability to walk in love. But we're going to use faith. See, it takes love to walk in faith, but it takes faith to walk in love. Do you understand that? Understand what I'm saying? How many have had a challenge sometimes of loving somebody and they, they just, in your opinion, weren't that lovable? 
don't raise your hands because they might be sitting next to you. <laughs> we all have. We've all, all had some people. Uh, we were just talking. Uh, no, it wasn't you. Someone else. They're working downstairs. But I was talking to somebody yesterday. And uh, we were talking. And she talked about this person. She said, he just ticked me off. Well, then I just said something about something, and I said, that just ticked me off what that person did. And then I looked, and I said, we can't do this. And she said, you're right. I said I wasn't going to let that bother me. I said, I said the same thing, and then we got together, and we told each other how it ticked us off. We're in the same things, but in other words, I have to use my faith to get over what Someone might call that tick me off. You have to use your faith. You have to use your faith to forgive, right? How many of you have thought sometimes, well, I know I've forgiven them. Someone says, you need to forgive someone. So I have forgiven. But I don't ever want to see them again. I don't want to be around them again. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love always believes the best. Love is not easily offended. What's, what's the word say? So if I love them, I can't say I love you, but you need to stay away from me. I can love you from afar. <laughs> and I used to think it was okay to say I love you, but I really don't like you. Until one day our pastor preached a sermon about that. And I went, man... Now, I only had maybe two people that I would have said that about in the whole world. That's not bad. I think that's pretty good. <laughs> but it was not acceptable. And I told him, you ever tell, tell your pastor, oh, man, you messed me up there. I thought that was a good one. <laughs> love. Love. See, we can talk about love, but it's easy to talk about love. It's easy. I mean, Mylene and Paul, they just got married. And I mean, we were all talking about love. Like, we, oh, we love that they're getting married. Oh, they love each other. Oh, love, love, love. That's easy to talk about. And it's wonderful to come. And there's hearts everywhere. And there's beautiful things about love. But then the rubber meets the road. And then you have to go away from their beautiful wedding and seeing how much they love each other. And you go home and you have to deal with your own family issues. And all of a sudden it's like, I got to remember what I learned. I got to remember love. So we're going to just look at some love scriptures and we'll see what we see in the word of God. Galatians 5, 6, that's where it talks about faith works by love. You know, you understand that the man writing these, some of these, not all of the things that we're going to look at, but like Ephesians, Thessalonians, Paul, you understand he was the terrorist of the day. He was the leading terrorist of the day towards Christians. Do you understand that? And he was doing it, listen, he wasn't the... He was doing it all in the name of God. He was. He, 
he was, he was uh, what would you call, zealous for God and thought that these followers of Jesus were, you know, blasphemous. They were wrong. And so he was terrorizing them. I wonder how many of them pray for him. I wonder how many of the Christians prayed. I, I suspect they did. Somebody did. We know, we know uh, Jesus, when he was on the cross, you know, as they, as they had done so, those ungodly things to him. Remember, he looked down from the cross and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's love. I mean, he wasn't just being made fun of. He wasn't just being, you know, harassed at the store. He was on a cross. He was nailed to a cross. He was beaten. He had a thorn, a, a crown of thorns on his head. Yet in that, I mean, do you not think he was in pain? The Bible says at that time he bore our sicknesses and our disease. So every sickness, every disease that would ever be on the earth was on his body. We complain if we get a cold. He took it all on his body and at the same time, don't you think he could have been so angry? We know the night before he was in the garden praying. And he said, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. He was wrestling, but he knew the will of the Father. He, did. he said that, I mean, God could send angels and rescue him. He had, he had the ability to turn it. Because Jesus came to the earth just like us. He came as a human, a man. And just like us, he had to make choices to do the will of the Father. Some people don't remember that. They think, well, he was, he was Jesus. Like, that was easy for him to do. No, he, he was not on the earth as, I mean, he came to show us God. But he came as us. So whatever we have to go through, he went through. But he made a choice that he'd never sinned. Do you think there was never time where he was tempted to sin? What about as he's a little boy? You know, little kids, they, they want their own way. You know that? They, they want, they're selfish. They want their own way. Yet, he didn't sin. But he, he had the same temptations. So on the cross when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, he had to make a choice to forgive. He made a choice when he was in the greatest pain, when he was, the, the thing that he held dearest was his relationship to the Father. And at that time, the Father turned his back because God could not look on that sin. He turned his back. Can you imagine that? Even in the natural, can you imagine the hurt of your parent? And some of you have had this happen, I know. So I know this has happened, and, and I, I know it's, you know, I'm not making fun. But the thought of my parent turning their back, 
on me when I was in the greatest pain, when I was in such distress. I, you know, my dad died when I was young, but for my mama to turn her back and say, I can't look at you. I can't imagine that pain. But Jesus, at that time, said, Father, forgive them. If Jesus could do it because the word says he only did what the father said, uh, did, told him to do. He only said what the father said. Then we know that God was in that, right? If God's in that, God's in with us when we need to forgive. God will be in it with us. When we can say, Father, forgive them. Now you might say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And then your brain will say, oh, yes, they do. They know exactly what they're doing. But you know, really, they probably don't. They probably don't know the hurt. They probably don't know all that. But whether they do or not, it's not your concern. It's not your concern. Your concern is if you can forgive. So we're going to have to use our faith, right? If you got to Galatians 5. Did we do that already? No. Galatians 5. Verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. Now, I don't have time to teach on that, but he's talking about it. It doesn't matter because there was a big, you know, disagreement whether they'd been circumcised or they hadn't been. He says it means nothing. Remember, this is after the cross. This is after Jesus died and rose again. He says it means nothing but faith working through love. But faith working through love. In other words, that means nothing, but faith working through love means everything. I'm going to read to you that in another translation. In the Passion Translation, it says this. All that matters now is living in the faith that is activated and brought to perfection by love. All that matters now, it doesn't matter, you know, if someone did this or someone didn't do this, that doesn't matter. All that matters is living in the faith, living in the faith, not living by faith, but living in the faith, which is, it's the same sort of, that is activated, we got to live in faith that is activated and brought to perfection by love. That's the faith we live in. That's the faith we have to live in because that faith will produce what we need. Faith that is not, if, you're, if, you, if you think you're living by faith, if you think, oh man, I, you know, I'm using my faith on this, but it is not, have love in there, you're not doing it out of love, you're doing it for another reason, then it's not perfected. It's not right. You know, God's, God uh, is a blesser. He blesses us. But, you know, sometimes somebody wants something just to show they have more faith than somebody else like, you know, I want, I want to have a better car than them. I want to have a better house than them. 
That doesn't measure your faith. God help us if we ever think materialistic things is a measure of faith. You can get things with faith and God's not opposed to you having things. He's opposed to things having you. So he's not, he, he wants to bless you. So he's not opposed to those things. But you've got to understand the reason. And you've got to understand that you can't desire those things more than you desire him. There's a scripture that says they worship the creation more than the creator. And our society today many times is worshiping something that can be created with man's hands more than the man, more than the creator that gave them the hands. So we have to understand that faith works when it's perfected by love. And it, the Bible says it works. Faith works. Someone might say, well, you know what? I've been believing God, believing God. It just doesn't seem like it's working. I've been there. We've all been there. Where you've had something and it just seems like it's delayed, delayed, delayed. Look, delayed manifestation is not a no the Bible says when you've done all to stand, what's it say? Just pick another project? It says when you've done all to stand, stand therefore. That again was Paul writing, saying this is how you do this. Paul said, I know how to be abased and how to abound. There's going to be times in your life where God is going to require you to give up something so that you can have a greater something. You know, if you want a greater prayer life, that means you're going to have to give up your personal time. It's going to might mean you're going to have to give up your hobby. It might mean something else. But there's there's always a reward for being faithful and doing something God says to do. There's always a reward. Why? Because when we do what God says, then there's always we're stepping into a greater blessing, a greater assignment. Bible says if you're faithful in the little things, he'll make you ruler over much. One of your greatest things in your life will be learning how to be faithful in little things because people see the grandiose thing of the big things, the great things. You know, I, I want to I preach all over the world, someone might say. Well... You know, we, we go to the nursing homes. Uh, we need some help there. No, they don't want to do that. Or we need help with the lawns. You can come mow the lawn. No. We have to do things with the same attitude. You know, my husband was a great example of that, of just doing something, whether there was one person in the room or there were thousands. It was the same. He didn't, he didn't deviate to the crowd. When he first started preaching, he was one of the youngest uh, ordained ministers in that denomination. And uh, <clears throat> so they would, they would let him preach on special occasions, but they weren't going to put him in as pastor. And I mean, he was a teenager. like He was still in school. And so, you know, that, they couldn't do that. But they would let him preach. But he wanted to see some stuff. He, 
I mean, this, this denomination didn't really believe in manifestations of signs and wonders like you and I believe, but, you know, they did, they did believe in the uh, salvation and things like that. So, but he had a hunger for more. But they wouldn't let him preach those things. You know, don't, you can't do that. So you know where he went? Some of you do know. He went to the nursing homes. And he'd just preach. And there'd be, you know, people that were in comas, whatever. He'd just sit there and preach them a sermon. Now, if you ever were with David Bound's sermon, he was probably there the afternoon. <laughs> but there was one uh, Afro-American man who was... Uh, he was a, a pastor, and he had had a stroke, and he'd been in this nursing home for a long time and never spoken a word. He was a preacher boy, like a preacher man. And so David said, let me, let me go in there. And David started talking to him about preaching the word, about how thankful David was telling him, how thankful he how thankful he was that he gave his life to preach the gospel. How lives were changed for eternity. And the nurses thought, why are you talking? He doesn't hear you. He doesn't. Now, this was a long time ago. Now we know more. But in those days, they, it wasn't that you just, you weren't supposed to talk to them in a coma because they don't know what you're saying. We know different now. But David knew something. He said, his spirit hears me. Well, the nurses don't understand that. You know what? That's, he wasn't asking them to understand. He was just asking them if, to let him be in there and they could do whatever, but he wanted to be in there. And I'm telling you, he preached to that man until that man opened his eyes and started preaching. Because somebody believed in the impossible. Somebody believed that the word makes a difference. Somebody believed that faith mixed with love can change. Yes. Can change that. Because that man's, don't you know that man's spirit was alive? Yes. He was preaching on the inside. He was just waiting for some. It might have been just a 16-year-old boy from the, you know, another part of town. He, he, didn't, he didn't probably make any expectation of what, but he was waiting for somebody to come speak the command of faith that would open him. Isn't that wonderful? That's what we do. We do that. You can do that here. You can do this. You can do this in Superstore. You can do this at nursing homes. You can do this. You use your faith. I'm not talking about being squirrely. I'm not talking about doing squirrely stuff. But I'm telling you, you know in your own heart when God says, I want you to go and do this. When I, I got saved, I, I, I saw that, you know, it says that he healed them all. So I said to the people who led me to the Lord, I'm going to the hospital. Now, we, you know, we lived in a bigger city than this. And, not a great big city, but there was probably like 50,000. And so anyway, I, it's like, okay, we had two major hospitals. I said, I'm going to the hospital tomorrow. And they, there was one that was a Catholic hospital and one that wasn't. <laughs> I was trying to decide which one would be the easiest one to get into and do what I wanted to do. But I was determined I'm going to go in there and lay hands on every person in there and going to empty out the hospital. 
Because they said that Mark 16 says lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Why are you sitting here talking about it? Why aren't you going and laying hands on the sick? Now, they didn't discourage me. They might have laughed behind my back. But nobody wanted to go with me. But I wanted to go. But I was a baby, I mean baby, baby Christian. Baby. And so I went and the hospitals wouldn't let me, which I see now. <laughs> you know, I, I'm mature now, but I, I thought, why wouldn't you let me do that? I understand privacy and all that, but I didn't understand it then. But what I want you to see is when you have it in you, you need to get it out of you. But you can ask God. God has a way. Did God tell me to go to the hospital? No, he didn't. I just thought that'd be a great idea. But God had an idea, and you know what he did? He started sending people to me who needed healing. They'd come in where I worked. They'd ask me to pray for them, and God would heal them. They would come over to my house, to my apartment, knock on the door. We hear you pray for people. And I'd pray for them, and they'd get healed. See, God had a way, right? God has a way. But faith, I had faith that God would do it, and I loved people, and I wanted them healed. And in that, that produced. But we got to do that throughout our life. You can't just do that on, like, this is my season to do that. That's throughout life. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. Second Thessalonians 1.3. I should have told you to hold your hand over there in Thessalonians, but... I just want you to, I want to get the point today, this is my goal, is that we, we've heard these, these messages on not getting tripped up, not being offended. And the way that we can be where we don't get offended is walk in love. Offense is really based in fear, isn't it? It's based in fear. And the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. So if I'm walking in love, then I'm not going to be intimidated by you or fearful of you, and you can't offend me. So if you're being offended, if that's an issue in your life, and I'd say go back and listen to those podcasts till you get it. I'm not trying to improve on that, but I'm saying listen to those. But also check your love life. Check. Read 1 Corinthians 13. See if you're... Is that me? And if there's an area there that you say, well, I'm, I think I need to change that. Again, you don't have to do it on your own. You don't. This is not tough until you make it. This is, God, I need help. And the helper will be there. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will come and be our helper. Amen? So Second Thessalonians 1.3 says, we, well, he's again telling them about uh, praying for them, giving thanks. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brethren, as it is only fitting, because your faith is greatly enlarged. Now, how is it enlarged? Here's how it is enlarged. And the love of each one of you toward one another grows ever greater. That's what I want to be said about the word church, that our faith, is enlarged and that our love grows greater and stronger for one another. 
Amen. That's, that's our that's a goal we can set for the church is that our faith is enlarged. How's, how does faith get enlarged? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Amen. But it also comes by using it. Faith comes by using it. So we know that it has to be rooted in love. So when you're using your faith, ask what, what is my purpose for this? Ask yourself, what, why do, like if you, if you want to lay hands on people, it's because you love people and you want to see them healed. If you're praying for your family to get saved, it's because you love your family. And you don't want them to go to hell, you want them to go to heaven. The same with other, when you're praying for our neighborhood, when we're praying for our neighbors, we're, you know, on Monday night when we have corporate prayer, one of the things that I do is I walk and I stop at the windows and I, I look over our neighbors and I pray for our neighbors. Why? Because God put us here, this was God, where God put us for this time to influence our neighbors. Not to harass them, but to believe with them so I can see houses. I can see condos or apartments. I can see them, and I pray for the people inside of them. Why? Because we love them, and we're using our faith that they will come to know Jesus. I don't want us to ever get to heaven, and he says, what about your neighbors? What about the people around you? We have a choice, amen? So he's saying that we love one another, that we have love one for the, another. First John, you know, First John talks about love. You, we could go and read all of First John, every chapter, and we'd get blessed. But he talks about loving one another, First John 3, 11. Hallelujah. Forgive me if we kind of jump around because that's how it is when you forget your notes at home. <laughs> Hallelujah, but I didn't forget the Holy Ghost. 311, for this is the message which you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. You know, we teach our children down in children's ministry to love one another. We teach them that God loves them. And the Bible says we love because he first loved us. See, that's the reason you can love, because he first loved you. Were any of us lovable when he showed his love towards us. I'm so thankful for Leif and Jenna being here with baby Taya today. You know, I'm so thankful for that. What a, that's, I mean, we celebrate that. But that baby is on, is going to understand love from mom and dad. They will show her love and then she will be old enough to watch them show God love And so she will want to love God too, right? That's how it works. So if if you're not showing God love, if you're not honoring God, your children will not honor God. I'm talking about your young children, but it also influences your older children as well. And so he's saying that this is what we need to do. We need to love one another. John 13 says the same thing. They know your love. This is how... They will know you by your love one for another. Jesus said that. They will know you by your love one for another. I love what God is doing in our city. We're, the barriers of denomination, the barriers of different churches are coming down. 
where we see it as the church of Lloyd Minster, not as this church or this church or this church. Now, that's the working of the Lord, but let me tell you, it had to start with some pastors that loved their city and loved each other and decided, we'll get up early every Tuesday, we'll get together, and we'll pray. And when it first started, it was just our pastor and one other pastor that had a heart and a love for our city, but it grew. And when you have a pastor or you have a leader that loves the city, it rubs off on you, right? So we, we quit putting up our barriers. Because let me tell you, I've been here a long time. I've been in Lloydminster uh, over 40 years, not living here, but preaching here. We had a church 40 years ago. We started coming and preaching in Lloydminster on regular Sunday services. I can tell you that it hasn't been that way all those 40 years. And usually we were the bad sheep of the whole town. We got called all kinds of names. One, one person said, are you uh, of that cult, the Hare Krishnas? And I went, no. But why would you think it? So then we get a call from the, the RCMP in Loon Lake, and they said, we hear that you're, we have a complaint that you're buying land in our area to set up a compound for the Hare Krishna cult. It's probably started by the same people who said we were hanging from chandeliers and we had one single light bulb in that one-room church. Please don't hang from our light bulb because you're probably going to get hurt. We didn't have that kind of atmosphere we have today. We didn't. But you know what? Those things were birthed out of offense and fear. And God told us then, back then, he said, just keep your mouth shut. Don't try to defend it. Don't, you know, don't, don't make a big deal. They don't know. Just, and so we, we would just say, okay. Someone says, uh, they, you know, we had someone come to the church one day and they said, our pastor preaches against you every Sunday. And it's like, there's better sermons. <laughs> I don't think that was true, by the way. I don't think that was true. But whether they did or not couldn't determine our destiny. Right? It doesn't determine your destiny, what other people say about you. There's always going to be somebody that's got an opinion. And they'll be glad to tell you what that is. But you're to, you are to love so that your faith can be perfected, right? Jesus said the greatest commandment, listen, he, they're asking him, remember they ask him what is the greatest commandment because they were still thinking about the Ten Commandments. They ask him what is the greatest commandment? What did he say? That you love. You love God and that you love your neighbor as yourself. The greatest commandment is love. Another, another translation in another uh, book, it's saying it's the only commandment is love. So, okay, so what do you do with the Ten Commandments? Listen, if you're walking in the commandment of love, you'll 
you'll not disobey the Ten Commandments. If you love your spouse, you're not going to commit adultery. If you love, you know, people, you're not going to lie. You know, you, I'm not going to go through all of them, but love would be the answer to that, right? Love is the answer. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. The, uh, <coughs> Romans 5, uh, Romans 5, 5 says that the Holy Spirit, that the Holy, that love has been poured out on us by the Holy Spirit. Yes. Is that what it says? Bring that up. I'm not sure what it says. Romans 5, 5. Is there anybody back there? Hello. There you are. <laughs> Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So you're not without love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You believe in that? then God, you believe it because God loved you. Yeah. But then he loved you, but here it goes. How do we have love in us? Love is poured into us, into our hearts. Love is in your heart. Do you remember when you first got saved, how you just wanted to hug everybody? It's like you kind of got, you know, funny about it. I just love everybody. I just love everybody. It's like, when I, first, I got saved, now I've been raised in church. I was in church all my life, every service. I missed Walt Disney for years. I didn't know they even had a show because we were always in church. And, uh, but I had been in church, but I hadn't been born again. And the, I got born again on the Saturday morning, January 18th, 1974. When I got born again... It was like when I walked out of that building, grass was greener, everything looked more beautiful, and I wanted to hug everybody. I was probably getting on everybody's nerves because I wanted to hug them because I loved everybody. Now, that's the way we're supposed to live our whole life, not just the day we get born again. And so it takes faith to do that. Praise the Lord. Let's just look at one, one other thing about faith because we're finding out it works by love. So if it works by love and love works by faith, then we are needing to be uh, taught how to grow our faith. And we know that faith comes. But now faith can come, but you still got to grow it, right? Just because, I mean, the, you know, I went to the dollar store this week and right next to the dollar store is a gym. And I saw some guys coming out of the gym that were older than me. And so I thought, hmm, I guess I could go to that gym because obviously they let older people go to that gym. <laughs> so I had a moment there that I was watching the gym instead of the dollar store. But guess where I went? To the dollar store. Because... The gym looked like it was an interesting place and I could probably use going to the gym, but I didn't have a motivation. It was like, I got to go get something at the dollar store for somebody's birthday. So, so we have to have a motivation for our faith and that motivation is love, right? That could be love for your own body to keep your body healthy. It could be love for other people. 
but we have to have a motivation. So Romans 12, 3 says that every man, every man, every woman, when it says every man, it's talking about human, humans. You know, it's not talking about the male. And that's, uh, God help us on that these days, right? To every man, let's look at that, Romans 12, 3. says that to every man has been given the measure of faith. Some translations say a measure of faith. Whatever, we still have a measure of faith, right? So everybody gets it. So you can't say, well, they have more faith than I do. Well, you got the same. When it was handed out, you got the same. We all got the same. It's sort of like when the, the story in the Bible about the, the uh, man who left his servants in charge, right? He gave, he gave them all the same, right? And one of them invested and he came and he, he got ten times and the other one five times. And one thought he was doing really good because he buried it. And he was so happy when the master came back and he said, I have all you gave me. And the master called him wicked. Well, I can imagine how that felt. Like, I could have spent it, but I, I held it. I didn't, I didn't spend it. Here's your money back. I, the exact amount you gave me, I give it to you. You understand what Jesus was getting at with this. We're giving a measure of faith. We're supposed to do something with it. We're not supposed to show up at the gates of heaven and say, thank you for that measure I I'm just so happy I still have it. <laughs> Wrong. You're supposed to do something with it. So let's look at an example real quick as we come to a close of somebody who grew their faith, someone that you'd be familiar with. Remember a shepherd boy named David, 1 Samuel 17? David was, you remember, he was so... Uh, not considered worthy by his own father that when the, the prophet said, bring me your, you know, your sons, he brought them all except David. Because it's like, because one of them were going to be anointed as king of Israel. That's pretty bad when your, your parent says, okay, here's all my sons. And the prophet goes down and looks at every one of them. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. And he says, do you have any more? Well, yeah, but it's David. <laughs> yeah. We put him out with the sheep. He eats with the sheep. He sleeps with the sheep. He smells like the sheep. We don't bring him in very often. Go get him. So he... He called in David, and David came, and that was the one that God wanted to anoint as king of Israel, the less likely of all. I love how God can turn a situation of the less likely person becomes the one that God anoints. See, God is just not moved by the same things that move us. Hopefully, we'll change, and we'll be moved by the things that move God instead of asking God to be moved by the things that move us. We're supposed to be made in God's image, not him in our image. So David, remember, he comes up. I, I'm not, I don't have time to tell the whole story, but he's, his brothers are out at the great battle against the Philistines. The Philistines have giants. 
We hear about Goliath, but let me tell you, Goliath had a huge armor bearer. If you're going to be an armor bearer for a guy that big, you got to be pretty big, and you got to be able to hold that big, oh, what do you call it, shield to in front of you too. So not only did they have them, but Goliath had four brothers. So the Israelites were scared every day for just like that. How many would that be? That'd be six people that were scaring them. And they had a whole army. Now the Philistines had an army too. But these were the ones that were scaring them. So David's father, again, you know, get David to do what no one else wants to do. David, can you take some cheese and bread up to your brothers? So David goes up there like an obedient son. He goes up there to the battle, and he is astounded why no one is doing anything. And he, he reports in First Samuel 17, and I don't know exactly where it is, First uh, Samuel 17, 30-something. You can find that. He reports about when he killed the lion and the bear. He talks about, I killed a lion and a bear. Now, why did he kill the lion and the bear? They were coming to steal the sheep. He loved the sheep. So he had to use faith or his ability to protect those sheep. Listen, when you love, that's, that, it is built in us to protect our children. It's built in us. So that's why it's so abnormal for parents who don't protect their children or who abuse their children. That is so abnormal because created in us is like we talked about the goodness of the Lord. God is good and, and his goodness. It's created in us to love our child. So your child can come out and here's, here's brand new parents right here. When Taya was born, now, you already loved her. You already talked to her. She was in your womb. You already had spent that time with her. But I tell you, there was a different level, wasn't it? When you saw her face. You couldn't measure the love, could you? It's like someone say, how much do you love her? <laughs> I'll give my life for that baby. You can't measure that love. That's like God. If he says it's you being earthly fathers know how to love your children, how much more does the heavenly father love you? So leave, you being an earthly father now. God says, how much more does God love you? That's hard to imagine when you know how much you love your children. So here's what he says. He said, I killed the lion and the bear. And then he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defile the army of the most high God? Like, I'm sure he just had this puzzled look on, like, why aren't you guys doing something? Like, what's with you guys? Why are you letting him? And I'm sure they're going, well, did you see him? <laughs> look at us. Look at him. <laughs> did you see his armor bearer? Did you see his own shaft, his own uh, swords? Did you see those things? When you know God's on your side, you know you can do anything. 
When you know, God says, I'm, I'm, seeing, I'm seeing our friends back there for, that when God told me to go to the Philippines, I see Dr. Deploy and I see uh, our friends from the Philippines. When God told us to go to the Philippines and do a medical mission, he just told me. I said us, but that means you have to do it too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you picked the wrong person. I, I don't know how to do that. So the, I told my children, they said, Okay, Matthew and Liberty says, we'll go with you. Okay. Next person I told was Dr. Deploy. He said, I'll go with you. He's going with, he, he knows I know nothing. <laughs> now, he's been on some medical missions, so he can help. But we didn't know what we were doing, and God sends us our precious friends. Sends them to us. Sends them to Lloyd Minster from Manila. You know what they did over there? Medical missions. God brings them here. I bet they went, why God? Why here? Like, really? I'm sure God had other purposes for you to be here. But that was one. Because I love the people. I love the pastors that were there. I wanted to do what we could for them. And you know that. That's what we do. And I wanted to do a medical mission. I didn't know how. So God had to bring me some Davids. God had to bring me people that said, we can do this. We know how to do this. That's what David was. He was there to say, we can do this. He might have said we, but they didn't get behind. He had to do it by himself. But he just spoke so boldly to them. He said, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and, the, uh, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be one of them since he has taunted the armies of the living God. And you know that he, uh, Goliath kept taunting David. He told him he was going to take off his head. He's talk, talking all that, you know, talk. But what happened? David got, he didn't take the armor of the king because he wasn't familiar with it. See, when you try to use your faith on things that you haven't built your faith for because someone tells you you need to do that, you're, it's, it's untested armor. Sorry, I didn't turn my phone off. Don't tell Jonathan. <laughs> but David was familiar with a slingshot. Now, in the natural, can you imagine what they were thinking? He's 17. We, they, we think he was about 17 years old. I don't know if they do that because it was 1 Samuel 17. I don't know. Could be a good reason. I don't know. But they think he was, he was a teenager. Why would you think this teenager could take a, a slingshot with five rocks and kill one of the biggest people in all the land? Who thinks he could do that? David thought he could. Josh thought he could. <laughs> because when you know it's in you, faith comes up and it says, I can do this. There are going to be times, if you haven't had one yet, you're going to have times in your life where it looks like everything is impossible. Whether it's at a in a hospital room where they're telling you your loved one's going to die or they're telling you you're going to die or whether it's with your business, they're saying it's going down the drain, there's not going to be any jobs, da-da-da-da. Somebody's got to stand up in faith. That's 
and say, I don't know about you, but how dare this economy come and taunt the church of the living God? We are not going to be shaken by what an economy says. We're not moved by the economy. Our jobs are not our source. God is our source. And I want to encourage you today. Don't give attention to those things that would cause your faith to be lessened. When you hear something like that, you need to go to the word of God. Take up those scriptures that says what God says. Find out what God says. And I promise you, you don't have to go through what the world goes through. When the world says this is going to happen, hey, we do know that there's tough times coming. You got to read your Bible. We do know that we're in some of the last times now. Read your Bible. But for the church, for the church of the living God, we will not see destruction. Though a thousand fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, it will not come near me. For the Lord will fight for me. The Lord is my refuge. He's my high tower. Read Psalm 91. Just believe God knowing that he loves you. He wants you to be protected. But we in this day, I I just tell you as we close, that some of you know this, and and if you don't know this, I'm going to tell you this. There's been an attack, a spiritual attack, which when there's a spiritual attack, it, it manifests in different ways, but it'll, many times it'll affect you know, health and bodies. But there's been a spiritual attack uh, on the body of Christ in this area. And the way that we go through this, the Bible says that we walk through the shadow of death. You go through it. You don't stay and make camp. You're going to have some times that are challenges. You're going to have some times that you are going to have to say, bless God, I believe the word more than I believe anything else. I believe the word of God, even though everything says no. I believe the word of God. We're going to start hearing some testimonies. We could probably take time today if we had time to share some testimonies of how it didn't look like it could ever happen, but God. But God. I'm telling you, you're sitting in a building that didn't look like it could happen but God. You're sitting with people who some people in this room have been totally bankrupt but God. You're sitting in this room with with women who were told they could never have children but God. You're sitting in this room where people had family members that were in uh, accidents that could have died, but they had people of faith believing with them, but God. So there's a reason you don't take lightly the things of God. Don't treat it like I'm just doing God a favor to show up at church. He doesn't need your favor. He needs you. We're not doing God a favor. He's doing us a favor to show up. And I don't think he sees that at all like that, by the way. 
So somebody don't take this podcast and take that out as a, a quote. He's not like that. He loves to be with us. He loves us to be in his presence. He calls us into his presence. He says that we're seated in, high, in, in heavenly places above all principalities and powers, rulers of the dark place. So if you're in this place where it feels dark, it feels like you're being hit by every devil in hell, then rise up. Go up into the holy place. Amen. You have a place. You have a, you have a seat. Yes. You are seated with him. Why stay down here where the devils are? Rise up. Amen. Amen. I think I should have heard some shouting there. Yes. Praise the Lord. Yes. I, I'm telling you, we're going up. Yes. We're going up. We're going to go to where God's called us to go, and we're going to go with joy. I love what the Holy Ghost said to these families today. You shall go forth with joy and be led. You shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. I say that over you today. We ought to leave church with joy. We ought to leave church happy. You ought not to feel like you've been beat up when you leave church. Even when God corrects you. I didn't feel like I'd been beat up that day when God said, you're not doing what I told you to do. I didn't feel like God was mad at me. I was thankful. I was thankful that I had a pastor who preached a message that gave me something that I didn't realize and then asked me to ask God. I was thankful for that. And I did it, and I'm still doing it because I have faith that he helps me. He helps me. It's not, I'm not doing it on my own. I'm not trying to just tough it. I'm doing it because he's making a way. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. We serve the God of the impossible. If you're not having impossibles happen, you need to start asking God for, you know, give it to me. Give it to me. Give the ball to Leroy, as David Bounds used to tell the story. Y'all might not know it. It's a football story. But Leroy could always run the ball. So when they were in a tough situation, they'd say, give the ball to Leroy. And David would use that to illustrate, we got to be the ones that we're, like, give it to me. I can, I can get a touchdown. Give it to me. we got to have that kind of faith that says, okay, if you, if you don't have enough faith, let me come and join my faith with you. We can get it done. Amen? We can get it done. One can put 1,000 to flight. Two can put 10,000 to flight. We can get this done. So what if all of us that are in this room today, all of us, say, in the name of Jesus, we can fill this house with people who are hungry for God. We can fill the downstairs with children who are hungry for God. And we can make disciples and we can change a city. We can change a region. We can change provinces and we can change a nation and we can change the world. We can do this. God knows we can. We just not got to know we can. David knew he was, he was able to be king. But nobody else saw it except the prophet. The prophet of God, the man that heard God's voice. Prophesy to yourself. Prophesy what God has said to you. Speak, speak to yourself what God says about you. That's called prophesying to yourself. Stand in front of the mirror and say, this is what God says to you, brownie bounds. 
And then I've, I've got a whole list on my, <laughs> at my mirror. This is what God says. Doesn't matter what my body says. Doesn't matter what my bank account says. Doesn't matter what people say. What matters is what God says. Do you get that? Yes. We get it, okay? Yes. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah.